So in our gospel lesson this morning from John chapter 9, we find Jesus walking along with his disciples. And as he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. See, the disciples are looking for the culprit responsible for this man being blind from birth. Was it his sin or that of his parents, they asked Jesus. And I think we tend in many cases to be like the disciples in this regard. I think we try, we tend to seek rational answers for the hard questions, don't we? And somehow even Christians today have brought in, they've bought into the idea that the universe, whatever that is, pays back people for their misdeeds. Eventually, what you do is going to come back around to you. Now, this is a a little bit of an aside, um, but I think it goes along with our scripture this morning. See, I know the popular culture has a tendency to permeate the church when it should be the other way around. The church should be permeating the world. But I've noticed that there are a lot of Jesus followers that casually throw around the word karma. Have you heard this? Now, point of fact and point of faith, karma is not biblical. Now, I know those that use the word are just describing a concept that's widely believed that what goes around comes around, or you get as good as you give. And what harm could there be in in that thought process, really? Well, let me tell you, karma is a belief. It's rooted in Hinduism and Buddhism, wherein the sum of a person's actions in previous lives or in previous states of existence... And in this life that they're currently living, all of those things determine one's fate in future lives or states of existence. Now, for professing Christians, this is just chalk full of false teaching. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment. In other words, we only get one shot at this. We only get one opportunity to choose Christ as Lord and Savior. Not only that, but karma is a totally works-based belief system of justification or salvation, which is really no justification at all because we know that justification comes by faith alone in Christ alone. 
Now, we're all free to believe what we choose. That's free will. But if you profess to be a Christ follower, then karma is a word that you should drop from your vocabulary. To proclaim it even casually is contrary to the proclamation of the gospel and totally discounts forgiveness from God and between people. The truth spoken in love is that forgiveness is biblical and karma is not. So just consider that bonus material included in the price of your admission ticket this morning. But as I was saying, we tend to try to seek rational answers for the hard questions, don't we? Hard questions like, why is there suffering in the world? Why am I in pain? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there evil happening in our world today? Just like the disciples trying to determine who is the responsible party for this man's blindness, as if assigning blame will somehow make the whole situation more tolerable. If we can't change the circumstances, we can at least figure out who to be mad at, right? But Jesus isn't having any of it. He immediately shifts the focus off the sin and onto the manifest grace of God. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He says he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. In other words, he says, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame and there's no cause and effect going on here. Look instead for what God can do. Jesus says we need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines, because when night falls, the work day is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. See, what a different place the world would be. If instead of constantly looking for an explanation of the evil in the world, instead of looking for someone to blame, we decide to focus our attention on what God can do. See, when we look for others to blame for the wrong in the world, and we all do it, me included, we position ourselves very close to this dangerous edge of this high precipice of self-righteousness. When we start slinging the stones of fault, we risk shattering our own glass houses. When we recklessly attempt to point out the sliver in another person's eye, we often fail miserably because we just can't see well enough around that big old plank in our eye. But instead, if we just turn our attention to what God can do with the circumstances in front of us, 
when we back away from that cliff's edge of blame, when we turn from self-righteousness to the righteousness of God, when we do that, then we can see clearly the solution to the problem, which is God's solution. And then we're better able to take obedient action to redeem whatever those circumstances are. Does that make sense? And so Jesus takes action. In verse 6, when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. See, this is a bit perplexing to most of us, I think. Why, why the spittle? Why the application of mud to the eyes? I mean, he's the son of God. He does miracles every day. Couldn't he just say a word or anoint him or something? Why the spit? Why the mud? Well, here's a thought that you, that you may or may not have considered. See, when Jesus mixes his spittle with the dirt, it harkens back to the creation narrative in Genesis, where the breath of God is mixed with the dirt of the earth in the miraculous creation of humankind. You remember that? And here, Jesus, who is as the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who was present at and participated in that first creation of man, now makes of this blind man a new creation out of the dirt. And isn't that just exactly what Jesus does with all of us as we place our faith and our trust in Him? Doesn't He make in us a new creation? The old passes away and we are made new. The blindness we suffer from gives way to the light of truth and we see clearly for the first time, maybe since our physical birth. I think all of us are a little bit blind from birth. Jesus takes action and puts the spittle-dirt mixture on the man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now when I read this, it reminds me of the Old Testament story in 2 Kings. You might remember this, where Elisha heals Naaman. And he tells him to, to go wash in the Jordan seven times in order to heal his skin disease. Do you remember this story? And at first, Naaman is incensed. He's thinking that Elisha should have to do something greater for him. Lay hands on him. Anoint him with oil. Say words over him. Something mystical and substantial. But Elisha merely tells him to go wash in the Jordan. And it's not until Naaman follows Elisha's instructions and does what he's been told in obedience, it's not until then that he's healed. So the blind man follows Jesus' instructions and goes and washes in the pool and he comes back whole. What do we learn from that? Well, 
we learn that when God gives us instructions that will give us healing and restoration and redemption, we need to be obedient and follow them in order to realize the healing, the restoration, and the redemption. It seems so simple, but it's so difficult sometimes, isn't it? Salome means sent. In the same way that Jesus was sent to reconcile humankind back to God, we are sent by Jesus to receive His blessings, to share His word, to make His disciples. It's no accident that the pool is named Salome, sent. And so what's the result of this healing? Everybody rejoices and the man goes on his way and lives a happy life, right? No. That's seldom the way it is. The world is baffled. Listen to this, starting at verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Salome and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. And then the Pharisees get involved. It's always trouble when the Pharisees get involved. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Explanation's getting shorter every time, isn't it? He's like, oh God, again. Some of the Pharisees said, "This this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. Oh, there they are with the rules again. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And he said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. And so his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. See, this miracle of healing was so amazing to the people that they were confused, they were confounded, they were baffled. 
And they go through all of the typical responses that we use even today to dismiss the things we don't understand, the things that frighten us, the things that threaten our self-absorbed lifestyle, the things that originate in the spiritual realm, the things of God. What are some of those responses? Well, we might question the authenticity of the receiver of the miracle. Is this the same guy who was blind? Or, we might question the legitimacy of the condition that was healed. Was it really blindness he was cured of? Or was it something less serious and he was just misdiagnosed? Or we might question the authority of the miracle worker. Who's this guy think he is? Surely he's not from God because he didn't obey the Sabbath. And then we might even reject both the miracle worker and the receiver of the miracle because we just can't accept into our little world the idea that we just might not be the center of it. Verse 26, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I think he's just kind of jabbing the needle in a little bit. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He's schooling them now. And to this they reply, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. See, rejection by the world is typical and unfortunate consequence for us as Christians. I'm sad to say... I'm sad to stand here and tell you that from a worldly perspective, the prognosis will more than likely not improve for us as this is concerned. As the Holy Spirit works through you as the ministers of the faith out in the community, and the glory of God shines through each of you out in the community, be prepared not to be readily accepted. Be prepared to be rejected. But also know that every time you proclaim the gospel, every time you are the example of what it is to be Christian, all of heaven is rejoicing. Who would you rather approve of you 
the world or the host of heaven? But hear the good news. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out of the synagogue and went and found him. That's a profound statement, isn't it? Jesus went and found him after he'd been thrown out. The world threw him out. And Jesus went and found him. He asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man said, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe in him. Jesus said, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? Master, I believe, the man said, and worshipped him. Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Some of the Pharisees overheard him and said, does that mean you're calling us blind? Jesus said, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ. See, in the end, we Christ followers rejected by the world will be accepted wholly completely accepted by our Father in heaven. When we respond to the question, do you believe in the Son of Man? With the response of the blind man whose eyes had been opened, Master, I believe. If you can say those words, confess those words with your mouth, believe them in your heart, then you are accepted into the eternal arms of your Father who is in heaven. And there are so many out there who, like the blind man, simply need us to point Jesus out to them so that they can believe too. Will you take on that responsibility this morning? Will you help to open the eyes of the blind in this community? Will you be the one to point someone to Jesus this week so that they too at long last can wake from their sleep, ascend from the darkness of their old self into the light of a new life as a new creation in Christ? And then they can at long last proclaim, I was blind, but now I see. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.